Hello and welcome to You Just Got Homeschooled. This is RJ and so I was going through something. I don't even remember what I was looking at and I I came across an article that was talking about the legality of homeschooling in different places. And it got me thinking about what reasons might a country or a culture have for making something like homeschooling illegal, especially given the fact that historically speaking, almost all schooling was homeschooling up until relatively recently. Like most modern nation states did not have systematized, um, publicly provided education systems until the last really 100, 130, 40 years maybe. And so that means the vast majority of humans throughout the vast majority of human history have been homeschooled in one way, shape, form, or another. But it, it came to my attention that or that Germany um, had made it illegal. It is illegal to homeschool in Germany. And that just blew my mind. Like, why? Why would it be illegal to educate your kid at home? And so um, I want to share with you a list of some of the countries. This is not an, ex- an extensive list, but some of the countries that it is illegal to homeschool your kids in just so you can kind of get a, a feel for what kind of countries they are. So it's, it's alphabetical, so I'm going to go down the list here. Albania, Andorra, Ar- uh, Armenia, uh, Azerbaijan, Belarus, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Brazil, Bulgaria, Croatia, Cuba, Cyprus, El Salvador, uh, Georgia, the country, not the state, Germany, like I said, Greece, Greenland, Guatemala, Kazakhstan, Latvia, Liechtenstein, Lithuania, Malta, Moldova, Montenegro, um, Macedonia, San Marino, Serbia. Um, in South Korea, it's prohibited by law, which that doesn't say illegal, just prohibited by law, and is unclear. Is unclear, and the cause is supported by business leaders, right? Um, Sweden, Trinidad, Turkey, right? So I'm looking at these countries, going, why? Why would you make this illegal? Like, what? What possible reason could there be? And so I was thinking about it, and and like I, you probably know, um, I was a history major, and so and and I love history and poli sci, and I love kind of looking at things from a bigger picture, trying to figure out what possible thought process could be behind this. And I came up with kind of two theories. Um, and by no means these are these exhaustive. These are just the two things that first came to my mind and they're somewhat related. And it's funny because I was actually having a conversation um, yesterday uh, in sort of an unrelated thing, but kind of the same overarching goal, right? And, and it can be done either the way I was talking about it in that context with uh, my wife or in this context with education. And so typically, the reason why a state, a country, would provide public education is because it believes that having an educated public will lead to increased economic opportunity and economic growth of those people which leads to a higher income, which leads to more tax revenue, which leads to a more profitable or more um, economically viable country, 
which makes sense, right? Um, if I have better educated people, I can then make more money. More money means more tax revenue and so forth and so on. And that, that seems reasonable to me. Like that makes sense. Um, and it makes sense from the standpoint of if I, all I have is uneducated people, they're easier to control in some senses, but they're also less valuable. So like, if you think about it from our perspective as Americans, now maybe some of you aren't Americans or you don't live in the United States. And so, but we have an advantage by speaking English. And since English is now the language of trade, uh, just by the mere fact that you speak English gives you kind of more positionally on a global stage uh, power or opportunity than if you didn't speak English. So if you think about, if you're here in the United States, you've probably gotten a call of some sort and the person on the other side was Indian. And you could tell that by their accent. And they, you know, they say, hello, my name is John. And you're like, that is clearly not your name, um, but it's okay, right? They learned English, even though that's not the language that is dominantly spoken in, in India. And because they know English, they're able to get a job in a call center calling Americans. But it's only because they know English. So we have that advantage. So it makes sense if we educate people to a certain level, then our population as a nation or any nation, right, has more opportunity to engage in a level of commerce or a level of the economy that they couldn't do if they were less well-educated. And so from that standpoint, it makes sense to to do your best as a nation to universally educate your people to a certain standard, which you know, that makes sense. I understand that. The other reason why you would educate people is to create a version of conformity. So a lot of countries, especially countries that feel like they're under constant military threat, places like Israel or South Korea have conscription, which is basically the draft. They have a mandatory service. Switzerland does it too. Mandatory service to the state um, in the form of military service. And this creates a common... Uh, experience amongst most of the population. And it, it provides an opportunity for the state to shape, to indoctrinate, um, not in a necessarily a negative sense, but to, to shape the skill sets and to some degree the beliefs of everyone there or everyone who serves, which acts as a unifying force, if, you, if that makes sense, right? So if you think about it from a cultural standpoint, um, depending on what subculture you're in, you can determine whether or not someone is in or outside of your subculture if they understand a certain set of words, right? Um, typically, if you use the term y'all on a regular basis, you're probably not from the you know New England area because they don't use y'all normally. And so you can kind of use that as cues. But if you think about it from a cultural standpoint, like your favorite foods, um, what you believe, those type of things are somewhat locally indicated. Um, kind of a ridiculous example is my wife likes artichokes and I think that artichokes are a waste of space. Why would anyone grow a thistle and eat it? Right? Because that's what artichokes are, a kind of thistle. But she grew up in a place that had lots of artichokes, different subculture, and so she enjoys it. I love Mexican food. I grew up in Southern California. Mexican food is it, right? And, it, and you can tell some things about that. And so by unifying around certain things, you can, you can do that, right? You can, you can influence a culture. And so as a nation, if you unify education 
and everyone has a similar experience, everyone has a similar level of education, you have as a state some control over or some influence over what those kids believe. Now, if we look down that list, how many of those countries would you consider free, right, from a a political standpoint? Like, you are free to do what you want. I look at places like Azerbaijan, and I don't think free, or Kazakhstan, right? I look at Greece, and I go, well, maybe, but not really. I mean, they've They've destroyed their economy, even though they, you know, you have illegal, it's illegal to be a homeschooler. And it makes me wonder what's the purpose behind it. In a place like Germany, my guess is, and I, I'm purely speculating here, my guess is, is that part of their reasoning for making public education mandatory is because they're still living in the shadow of the Nazi regime. They have a bunch of laws on the books that would seem ridiculous to people who had not experienced the rise of Nazism um, directly in their country and not living underneath that shame. And so by controlling the schools, they control what the kids hear and what they're exposed to and what they're taught, and thus they, in, in theory, control the response. The ironic part is, is they're actually having an in, uh, a resurgence of like white supremacy, neo-Nazi types in Germany and in all of Europe, actually. And many other places in the world, uh, kind of an ethnocentric uprising. And I, I think that's interesting that you have some cultures trying or some countries trying to conform their people, basically, through public education. Now, we can, they can paint it however they want. They can say, well, it's really so that we have a, a, a minimum standard of education. But really, do you? Especially when, statistically speaking, from what I've seen anyways, kids who are homeschooled actually outperform their public school counterparts. Is that the case in every instance? No. But what's the value? Like, what is the the cost-benefit ratio? So if I'm a a diplomat or or someone in the government, right, who's making these kind of decisions, would I side with publicly educating kids or side with homeschooling and why? If I'm seeking to control, then yes, I would want to put everyone in public education. Um, Being a California resident, I am increasingly suspicious of my politicians and their purpose in education policy because they seem to make decisions that are not consistently in the best interest of the student, but in the best interest of their political ends. So recently in California, they launched what they call the California Dashboard, which is a means by which any person who has internet access can go and look at any school, public school in California, and look at things like their demographics, meaning um, what, what are their populations, their ethnic populations in the school, what are their demographics as far as their socioeconomic status in the school, and then do things like ex, uh, suspension rate, um, expulsion rate, state testing scores on average, um, graduation rate, things like that. And on, on one hand, I feel that that's good, right? We, we have a benefit in being able to compare schools. So I can look at the, the three high schools in my city, in my school district, and I can say, well, this high school has this, that, and the other thing. They're doing really well in this or not so great in that. Um, and I get some sort of baseline. But then I also have this added problem of I know that my school district has dropped their GPA for graduation to a 1.0. Why? Because their graduation rate was hurting them on the dashboard. So what do they do? They change the requirements to graduate so that more kids can graduate because it doesn't say 
right? There's no standard of what graduation counts for. It just says if you meet these minimum requirements. So in California, that means that if, if a kid got a minimum of 200 credits, right? You get five credits per semester course that you pass. You get 200 credits and you have three years of English in those credits. You have two years of math, one of them being algebra. You have a life science and a physical science. You have U.S. history, world history, government economics, and then the rest of them are electives, basically, or a foreign language and or an art, right? Those are the other requirements. And then you fill up the rest with whatever you want. If you get a minimum of a D in all of those core classes, and then get the rest of the units you need, whether they be work experience, they could just take PE ad nauseum, right? Just keep taking PE, however that works out. You can graduate and it looks good on the dashboard, but did the kids actually learn anything? Are you convinced as a parent, as an adult, that a kid who got a D in government is going to be a, a, a well-thought-out voter? I'm not. I have told every class I've ever taught in person that if you're not going to think and you're not going to do your research, don't vote. And that's not because I'm being... Like, I don't want people to vote. I really do want people to vote. What I'm saying is don't vote unless you're actually going to think about it. If you're actually going to read what's on, you know, what's on the, like the, the voter information guide. Why? Because I care and I see decisions being made both by the voters directly and what they pass and what they don't pass and by the, the legislators who are voted in by the voters that do not seem to be commiserate with the values of the people doing the voting. In fact, recently I was reading an article and actually I wasn't reading an article. I was watching a, a video because um, they just recently started the impeachment process for Trump. And um, the person speaking, it was a, I forgot which senator it was, but it was, or a House representative's member, he quoted Nancy Pelosi, um, who's the Speaker of the House, um, as saying, This is too, referencing the impeachment or Trump as president saying this is too important to leave to the voters. Now, me, as a California resident, Nancy Pelosi is from California. I don't know if, if she's my district off the top of my head. But the fact that she would even make that comment that in a society that is supposedly free, she would make the comment that basically saying that her and people like her ought to have more authority and, and they know more than the rest of us that they, it should be their decision on who's president, not my decision or our decision collectively as president, that scares me. And I think the same thing goes for education. What is the purpose behind it? What is the purpose by making homeschool illegal? If not to influence the kids the way that the state or the people in power would like them to go. And that concerns me given the laws that are being passed. Right? I know that there's a, a huge influx into the homeschool community here in California because the state recently passed laws that require um, schools to provide basically a version of sexual, sex ed, sex education to kids. Um, I think it's required, it's required once in middle school and once in high school, which isn't necessarily a problem. I mean, that seems reasonable to me. But they encourage it all the way down into kindergarten right? Pre-first grade. And that concerns me. And it includes stuff like there's an option to opt out of it. Um, but the thing is, is you, 
you either have to opt opt out of the entirety of the curriculum, and you can only use certain curriculums that are pre-approved by the state. You either have to opt out of the entire thing, or you have to take most of it. The things that you can't take out of the sex ed programs are the things that I am most concerned about as um, a parent. There are things about gender identity. There are things about um, uh, homosexuality. There are things about morality that I don't think the state should have purview into. It's one thing if you want to teach anatomy. It's another thing when you have pictures um, that might might have been considered pornographic 20 years ago or are considered pornographic, that if you found them on a politician's drive, they would be indicted for something. Um, and and even things that are, are ridiculous to me. Like there's there's... I've actually seen some of the curriculum and some of it actually has suggestions for things that you do not want your 12-year-old doing. Um, anyone that I'm aware of, any, any parent who cares about their kids does not want their 12-year-old engaging in these acts, right? That they're, that they're suggesting or that they're facilitating, that they're educating. And I get the, the, the back and forth of, you know, I, I'm definitely not a book burner or someone who says, you ought not to tell your kids things or you know, I don't want to isolate my kids. But at the same time, I don't want to give them suggestions on things they could be doing if they're not at an age where they are even interested. Instead, this stuff is being presented to them, um, encouraged to be presented to them at a very young age. And uh, it, it disturbs me. And the question is, well, why? Why did they pass this law if not to influence the, the minds and the thought patterns of these kids, right? And that's deeply concerning to me. So I just wanted to, to bring this up. Uh, I wanted to talk about it a little bit, and I wanted you to become aware that there are places in the world that homeschooling is illegal. And there are people in our society now, in our, in our country now, if you're in the United States, or maybe in the country that you're at if you're not in the United States, that don't want this to go forward. California, because I'm in California, right, is making laws that are making it more and more difficult to homeschool. They are making laws that don't seem to have anything to do with homeschool that will eventually become a homeschool issue. Um, they're making vaccination laws that are left vague enough that they can be interpreted that any school or any, basically they, they put it that if, if you choose not to vaccinate your kids for whatever reason, and I don't want to get into that debate from a scientific standpoint at all, if you choose not to vaccinate your kid for any reason, um, you cannot homeschool them unless they're fully vaccinated, which means you have to make the choice to either vaccinate your kids so they can be schooled or risk being picked up for for not officially schooling your kid because your kid isn't enrolled in a school because they're not allowed to be enrolled in any school, public, private, or homeschool, unless they've been vaccinated. And so there's these like long, not, not so long, these, these laws that, that seem to not affect homeschooling that eventually are kind of slowly hemming in homeschoolers. So if you think about it like a school of fish is, you know, people, right? Students. There's laws that are the little boats dragging the nets out around the school, right? The school of fish. And eventually those, that net is going to make the full loop and you're going to be trapped. 
And that's kind of what it's looking like now. And there are these little incremental laws that you have to do this, you have to do that, right? If you can dictate this, right, you have to take, use, use one of our five selected curriculums, pre-approved curriculums for sex ed. How long before you have to use one of our five selected history courses or science courses or English courses? And, and what does that end up doing other than restricting the rights and the ability of parents to teach their kids the way they see fit? What if I don't want my kid reading that? What if I don't believe what is being taught in that textbook, right? What if I don't like the fact that what they're teaching in this history textbook isn't history, but it's their revision of history, right? And ultimately, at the end of the day, even that doesn't matter as much as who cares about your kids more, you or the state, who, who ought to have authority over your kids, you or the state? The state is increasingly saying they do. It's their responsibility. It, they are their kids, not your kids. They grant you um, the, the authority to parent your own kids and they can pull that authority back. And, and I believe that's fundamentally wrong. As a parent, as a Christian, as an American, I believe it's fundamentally wrong to believe the state has ultimate authority over your kids. They'll live in my basement if they're not educated or they can't do it. If they get sick, it's my money that's going to pay for them. It's my heartache if they get sick and injured, not the state's. Our state, California, um, their graduation rate for kids that they have complete control over, literally kids that are wards of the state, orphans, things like that, kids that have been pulled into child protective services, their graduation rate for these kids is 51%. This is a state that wants to mandate to you, right? Or if you're not in California, if you're in another state in the United States or another country altogether, the, the state, meaning whatever the government organization, they want to say they have authority and yet they can't con- consistently get the kids they have complete control over to graduate? I don't trust you. At all. I know my kid. I know what my kid is capable of. I know when they're lying to me. And unlike the teacher, I've been the teacher in the classroom, who ultimately doesn't have the time or the the energy to care about whether or not your kid fails, you do. Because it directly affects you. So hopefully, um, you're kind of beginning to understand that, that a lot of times, we have to be careful on how we think about things because the people in power seem to believe that they ought to be in power because they're better than us. And places like Germany and Greece are saying, no, you don't have that right. Functionally, they're not your kids. Or we don't trust you with your own kids. We have to educate them. Why? So you can do what with them? And how is that working out? Greece's economy is on the ropes. Germany's putting along, but they're having an, a rise in neo-Nazis. Azerbaijan and Kazakhstan, they're not exactly pillars of freedom and free thought, right? Or, in, or um, you know, education. What do we do with those countries? What do we do with ourselves? What do we need to be watching for with our politicians or even with our friends and the way that they, they, they talk about stuff? Um, at what point do we say, no, this is, 
this is more important than even me. This is uh, something about freedom, right? This is something about choice. This is about me being able to help my kids succeed in life and not the life that some politician who spends most of his time worrying about something else thinks might be the future, but, but the one I can help them plan, develop the skills they need in order to succeed in whatever future comes rather than the limited um, scope that they seem to think in. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please like, subscribe, tell your friends, um, share with someone, talk about it, you know, have a conversation with your spouse, have a conversation with your kids, point out what's going on in the news in your area. What's going on? Why is it going on that way? What are people saying? Like, I honestly believe that the news is one of the greatest ways to teach kids to think critically because you can look at, listen to what someone says and be like, okay, what did they actually say? What do you think they mean? What made you believe that about what they said? What context was it given in? Where would this go if we followed out? If we took this one little piece and said, okay, well, if this is true, then where does it go from here? Right? Like what, what is the end? What is the end result? Even if the people who are making the decision now are good intentioned, how could this be twisted into something else? And is that good for us individually? And is that good for us as a family? And is that good for us as a community and a, and a city and a you know, county and a state and a country? Is that good? And is it good to give over that kind of power to someone else? Or should we keep a decent amount of that authority, um, especially over our own children, you know, by ourselves? So like I said, please like, subscribe, share with a friend. Um, follow us on, on Instagram, Homeschooled Podcast. Or check out our website, youjustgothomeschooled.com. I am continuing to plug away at this ever so slowly, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll try to make another one soon. Thanks, and Merry Christmas.